0: Welcome to the Culture Edit. Unique perspectives into the personal and professional lives of individuals at the helm of successful business, athletics, art, and design. Welcome to the Culture Edit, a rare Sunday evening record sesh.
1: From the house.
0: Coming coming at you live from the house. Yeah. We it's had a, to really move not on. live, but
1: well yeah, I guess. Never I well, we're alive. Uh, but we, we are had- alive, yeah. We had to move everything to the house earlier this week, all the equipment, to interview our, our guest because there were too many people in the office making noise. and he's Making a racket. A, he's in a different time zone, so it, it was just uh, not our normal time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, but we do have a very exciting guest this week, so we're going to keep this short because it's a pretty long interview. Yeah. This but,
1: could possibly be our longest podcast. But,
0: but first, before we get into our guest, we wanted to just quickly um, give some-
1: What? I thought we were just getting straight to the guest.
0: No, no, no. Feedback. Oh, the, the feedback the, we got earlier this week? The okay. very special <laughs> feedback we got this week on the podcast. Okay. So, oh, I can try to keep this short, but went to a networking event of sorts this week, and I had sent the you podcast. You dragged
1: me to a networking event for a group that you participate in. I have no previous experience or allegiance to this group, so you wanted <laughs> you wanted me to see what this was like. Yeah, you dragged me to it. Uh, It's a
0: typical like I volunteer to like be on a committee and every idea that I put forth is kind of like just ignored. And so I I was trying to show Chad why like I probably wouldn't be in the committee next year.
1: (laughs) I think like a lot of people uh, your age in particular, they struggle to be involved in business networking Mm -hmm. kind of events, right? And so like you're like always looking for different ones to be involved in. I'm involved in HRLF, but it's more of like senior – folks with gray yeah. hair uh and uh and which is it's great this
0: is also senior folks with that's i guess hair. so i guess but so, yeah. not from the same caliber
1: right not the c-suite level so you you're looking for that and so this is a new one you've been participating in this year and yes. we went you took me to the event mm-hmm. and
0: I, I prepared you
1: right an octagerian approached me <laughs> and said i have some feedback <laughs> for you're, I've never met this man before in my life. Uh, I have some feedback for your pod. For well, your video. So you, for your video. And I, I looked at you, I had no idea what he's talking yeah,
0: about. Yeah. And I didn't know what he was talking about either. Cause I was like, I never sent him a video. And he's like, yeah, your video about children's. And I was like, I mean, we have videos for children's. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's like, we've you know, where been you, in the actual video. Yeah.
1: He's like, you know, when you, uh, interviewed the, that woman at children's, at children's.
0: and I, I I was so confused. So I, I was just like, I honestly didn't even know what to say. And I, so he goes, oh, you know, the recording, it it just, it took too long to get to the point of the business, the business part of the, the recording. And like, I didn't really want to listen to you.
1: Yeah. That was his feedback was that basically I want to give you feedback. Yes. You two suck. Yeah. He I just want to hear like your guests. My
0: <laughs> feedback is if you could just talk less <laughs> and just focus on the interview, you'd be much more successful at podcasting. Yeah. Because like, he
1: f- he found Linda Mats guy uh, extremely intriguing and but not uh, us captivating and <laughs> he just said I just wish you guys wouldn't talk so much yeah uh, and get straight to it so that's my feedback for you and we were like kind of laughed about it we we're like okay so you just don't want us to talk
0: and he's like exactly
1: yeah and he said he literally said yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> I was like
0: well I think there's some people out there that might find us interesting but right. you know. I would have noted, but honestly, I didn't take note of it in my brain. So yeah.
1: The irony was we had just earlier that day looked at the metrics and you were like, our retention for our one-on-ones is so high.
0: Yeah, it's so much higher.
1: So retention is like how long people listen like to the to podcast?
0: To 50% of the podcast or 90% of the podcast. Right. And
1: for us, what was it? It was like super high. 90%
0: for- was the average yeah. for the one-on-ones and then the the interviews are kind of all over the place.
1: Yeah, it just depends on the, the interview. It also depends on the people that... The interviewees bring to the podcast. Yeah, like if so, the
0: interviewees share it on their own platforms, it tends to be a lot more popular. If they don't share it on their platforms, then
1: with their own people. Yeah, then they know just, people that know them. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, but anyways, it was just an interesting. It was just funny because I'm I, like, "Well, have you listened to any of the other op- uh, episodes?" And he's like, oh, "No." <laughs> so.
1: Imagine the mindset of someone that goes up to to two people that that per- make something and be like, <laughs> "I my feedback is that you suck." <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, people do that to people all the time. They I guess at, so, yeah. The, I mean, that's the, the armchair. What is it? The quarterback, arm, armchair quarterback? Yeah, armchair is quarterback. Is that like a, yeah. some sort of thing? Monday,
1: m- Monday morning quarterback and armchair quarterback. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's plenty of people that do that. Yeah. Like he probably watches Georgia games and says the quarterback is terrible or something. Yeah. And has no idea. That's true. So yeah. that's just that's just who he is.
1: Anyway, so you just wanted to share that with everyone just before you did our out guest. There. Okay. Yeah.
0: But, um, it was just kind of funny. We do have a guest today. We have a great guest today. We met him in Copenhagen when we were there. So we were in Belgium for Flanders last April or in a March, beginning of April. And then after Flanders, we went to Copenhagen because we, both of us had never been before. And so we did a couple of group rides. And that's I've been where, there before. Or sorry, you had been there like ages ago. 1998.
1: Yeah. I missed a boat.
0: You missed a boat. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we went there together. Yep. Because I have not been there before. And when we went to one of the group rides with Panormal Studios, uh, we met a guy that was the only other American on the ride. So it was refreshing and he was super cool. Um, his name is Adam Kat and you know, he is, he is, I would say if you Google him, it will come up as fashion photographer, but he's really a lot more than that because he photographs more than just fashion. Um, that's probably just what he's known best for. Uh, but what we actually talk about on the podcast is not fashion at all. We talk about his new, you know, endeavors in in photography, but to name some of the people that he's worked with is honestly very impressive. The likes of Tom Ford, Givenchy, Rick Owens, Louis Vuitton, and Vogue, uh, Women's World da- Wear Daily. He's he's in, he doesn't necessarily photograph for them, but there's a lot of articles about him and videos about him. Um, you went deep
1: on the research. I think he was impressed with your your research because you talked about YouTube videos that he didn't even know existed i
0: did go deep on the research um because i find that f- i i enjoy the research part of the uh podcasting but um i don't you know, get a kick
1: all the fact that i didn't research anything
0: <laughs> yeah you're too cool for that um but he also has two books which um i'm gonna have for the first time to tick I, on the little button that says this is explicit content yeah <laughs> because there's a lot of cursing um, was there cursing in the interview I, not really. There's actually not a lot of cursing in the okay. interview, but we, for me we to say ourselves. his books, I have to curse. Okay. So, so are you going to beep
1: yourself out? Like
0: beep? Well, I don't know. Because part of me thinks it could be kind of funny. Okay. But then part of me, I'm like, I don't know. F- it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so now what are the names of the books? <laughs> his two books are live from f***ing everywhere. And this is not a f***ing street style book. If there's one thing to take away is that we don't call Adam a street style photographer. No, he gets angry. But on a serious note, uh, we did meet him in Copenhagen on the bike and had a great conversation.
1: The And what you'll hear, uh, especially for folks that probably are fans of Adam, uh, if you're expecting us to go deep in, how do you approach your photography and what lens do you use? <laughs> this scares
0: me, this voice. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> um, which is what other, all the other stuff that you research Everything. for? Everything. Yeah, you can just YouTube it. You we don't that. do that. We didn't do that. No. We talk we talk about bikes and running and cats and and some of his new work. We talk about context because we're really 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 intrigued by his new project context because it has a lot to do with uh, not a lot to do with it's very relevant to what we do in terms of the ethnography that we use in terms of how we approach our client work.
0: Yes, so uh, let's jump right into it.
1: Yeah. You're in Tacoma. Uh, I was just telling Nikki, you've been in LA, Miami, Tacoma. What What is going on?
2: Uh, I was in LA, so I was shooting some people for that um, context thing. One of my buddies, like one of my best buddies from back in the Puget Sound area lives down there. And I was there in the spring and I said, oh, I should just come down here in November. Cause I used, he and I used to go to, to Venice Beach in November for a couple of years. Um, just to like get, when we lived in New York, just to get out of New York because we had a buddy who lived down there and that guy ended up passing away. And so I was like, oh, I should just do that again. You know, why not? I got a free place to stay, staying with him because he lives there now. Yeah, And then he, so I booked the trip and then he was gone the whole time. Um, And <laughs> I don't have any friends that live in that. He, he lives in like the middle of, I don't know LA very well, but he, he doesn't live where any of my other friends live. So I decided um i would go by like city bike there which was actually pretty good which surprised me um but you know you're the only person you see on a bicycle in in la and then i went to miami for this job um with a swedish brand at this country club that um isn't open yet but on the last day we were there shooting some pro tennis player and uh lionel messi was there and trump was coming later which <laughs> one of the two of those made me sick to my stomach um and uh and then i flew home through atlanta actually and then here i am yeah, for the rest of the month
1: you, you touched foot uh in the atlanta
2: airport i've never been there i've only been to the airport like a million times but i've never been there it's like actually one of the few places in the states that i actually want to visit and everybody tells me it's so cool but just never gotten around to it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's pretty standard. Most people are like, "Yeah, I've been to Atlanta," and we're like, "So you've been to the airport?" They're, They're like, "Yeah." Right. And yeah, <laughs> that's <airport>. it. <laughs> um, we're we're fans. I mean, you you would like it because the outdoor activity is pretty good here. You can, yeah, that's make, what Nikki was saying. Mm-hmm. You can ride in the city. Uh, which is I think unusual for most cities and it's, it's lots of options. And then you, you've got the mountains and you'd love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I was telling you, like the mountains are just incredible Mm -hmm. and so underrated. They, they don't get enough attention in in the United States, but the North Georgia mountains are awesome. I
2: see when you guys ride, you ride out to some, some body of water that looks pretty cool. Like it looks like it's a pretty decent ride, or at least those were the rides you were doing right after I met you, um, going out to some big lake or something like that. Does that sound right?
1: Yeah. There's a couple of options. One that you see a route you see us do all the time. We ride to a state park okay. uh, called stone mountain. And once you get in the park, it's basically car free and there's like oh, multiple nice. loops and like those big group rides you always see, like that's what, that's where we're in that park. And there's okay. a, there's a big lake
0: there. Yeah. Today. That's probably our, our most traveled route. I would say just cause it's okay. like 14 miles from our house. You can do as many loops as you want and then, you know, good 14 miles back. So
1: Okay, it, nice. It's yeah. like it's like that loop uh, we did with you uh, going north
2: and coming back down south on the <laughs> just on like the it. water. That was that was better than that's that's a slightly better than standard loop to be fair up north. I mean, I would I would go a different way, but we didn't get to see any of the castles. That's what kept bumming me out about that one. Is there we were just like one road away from seeing the actual good stuff. But yeah, I mean, riding in riding in Copenhagen can be super good as long as you don't go on these standard boring routes that most of the most of the people go on. But either way.
1: Uh, it's funny we talked about that there, and I, I said, you know, even the guys—that's not a Copenhagen thing. That even the guys here will just do the same dumbass routes. It's so weird, and yeah. they never explore. They never, they never like. But they know, also don't up.
0: travel with their bikes either. So they, right. they, they don't understand that there's so much more out there. Out obviously right. in the world, but then also in your own city, like there's roads right. where we'll we'll do some group ride. And I'm like, eh, I'm not like feeling the group ride. I'm just going to turn off and go this other way. And people are like, wait, will you survive that (laughs) though? Because they've never turned off the route before.
2: That's the look I get when I turned. uh, I think I was, I was telling Chad when we, when we were out there, it's like, what if I turn left right now? You know, like we (laughs) all turned right. Like what if I turn left? And I just started turning left. And I think that those rides are, you know, I mean, the only thing is, is like the commute, like the. i ride with danes they get a little bit frustrated because like they because because denmark is so small like i think the area that we rode in is probably about the size of metropolitan atlanta yeah and like you know so like they know if you turn left you're gonna hit this stoplight that that's why you turn right but it's like i don't know i want to see what's over there it's the same thing i'm back at my mom's house and it's like i'm turning left a lot like i'm going down a lot of different roads that i never went down yesterday i went through some neighborhood probably like two miles from my mom's that I I didn't even know it existed. It just looked like it was some, you know, little cul-de-sac. And it's like a huge, you know, probably like mile by mile block like development. Not pretty, but like I've seen it now and I, I hadn't seen it before. Um, I just, I just like kind of taking it off the list and having a heat map that like ev- there's no gray streets anymore. I've ridden everything in Copenhagen now. It's pretty, it's pretty much uh, an addiction, but I like it. Yeah, we're the same way.
1: Did you get? You yeah. didn't get to ride in Miami when you were down there, did you?
2: No, I. saw, I didn't realize that that shop is not in Miami. It's like a couple miles. It's in Miami, like the Greater Miami area or whatever. But yeah. I didn't have a car. I wouldn't have been able to ride even if it was in Miami. We were we were having six a.m. pickups and getting back home at like five, and then I was jet lagged, so I would go for runs. But to be fair, like I don't know what the riding is like down there. My runs, I would I would get like one foot of elevation gain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's way flatter than Denmark. It seems like you would always be on some kind of arterial. Like it I don't think that it's really that easy to get out of Miami. It didn't seem like it at least.
1: Yeah, I mean that's why I brought that up because we love riding in Miami, but there's really like two options. Like they, right. they go to Key Biscayne and they, it, which is beautiful. I mean, it's right. un- unbelievable, but it's just back and forth, back and forth. And then, or they loop. go south, uh, to which
0: homestead. going south to homestead is it's cool. Once you get to homestead, cause there's, they stop at this like country fruit stand with like chickens and sheep and all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> so that's right. kind of fun. Um, yeah. but, but on the way she's back, in it for the animals. I'm in it for the animals, but Don't on the way, <laughs> on the way back though, it's like, you start to get this, okay, I haven't stood up out of the saddle in like three right. hours and it's starting I'm to wear down. I'm used to
2: that in Copenhagen, to be fair. I, I actually kind of like that because then it can, for me, then it can get real meditative. Like, like when it's just a repetition, it's like running, you know, like you in Copenhagen, you also never really get any hills, but like, I'm not an intervals kind of guy. Like I like to cover distances. I don't need to like kill myself on the bike, but yeah, I mean, I would like to do it. I also like, kind of had this moment where because I stayed in Miami Beach, which I've always stayed in Miami Beach. And I'm like, is this like going to Paris and staying like, right underneath the Eiffel Tower or something? Like, am I? Yeah, I don't feel (laughs) like (laughs) I've experienced any like, of actual Miami, like I want some Puerto Rican and Cuban food. Like I want some, I want it to be like, you know, I want to have a real experience. Like when you go when you go to Copenhagen, like you go stay, where did you guys stay when you were there?
0: We kind of stay. we stayed in the more touristy area because we had no idea where yeah,
1: to stay. Um, I, it's, it's yeah, like on the main tourist road where all the shopping was. The, the walking we, street or whatever? The walking yeah, street, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean,
2: like, that's like, like, that's beautiful. And when I came to Copenhagen the first probably three, four, five times, that's where I stay and I liked it. But like where I live, just a little bit north, and it's becoming more gentrified. But like where I live back when I first started going to Copenhagen, there was no real reason to go there. And like, those are the kind of neighborhoods that I like. Cause you know, it's like coming to New York and just staying in Manhattan. I mean, Brooklyn is kind of becoming a bleed off of, of Manhattan, but like, you know, you, you don't really get to have any kind of authentic experience. So I would like to go back and see a little bit of the not, um, ostentatious Miami beach kind of. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think the Edgewater area is pretty cool. Like yeah. that's where uh toothpick clubs I think
2: yeah like art
1: district we stay in Brickell like, I've been there downtown yeah but I've
2: been there yeah. during our Basel so
0: it's yeah, just like totally a bunch
2: different of, like, rich white people walking around yeah. regardless yeah like, it's boring I live in a country of rich white people it's uh <laughs> it gets pretty boring man yeah uh or um
1: coconut grove I'd recommend staying in coconut grove okay. that's like a neighborhood mm-hmm. that's you you live in is, you live in Vesterboro is that right I live in
2: Norbro, but Arbor, yeah, they're they're similar. And I mean, that's also the thing in Copenhagen. It's like the outskirts of Copenhagen are like a mile, you yeah. know, like and you're like almost smelling horse shit because yeah. you're almost <laughs> in the countryside. You know, and like a hundred years ago, that where I lived, like was well, hundred years ago it was probably working class, but like 150 years ago. I mean, they they had this Danish um golden age exhibit at the the National Art Gallery or whatever. They had paintings of those lakes. Did you see the lakes when you were there? Yeah. You like cross this bridge. So I lived just like fifty meters north of those lakes. And there was these all these paintings of those lakes before they like kind of lined up the edges. And they're I mean, it was beautiful. It was like proper nature. That was like the edge of the city, you know? Yeah. That's really and then cool. yeah, And then they turned it into turned it into like a park more, which is they're super pretty.
0: Yeah, we uh know. we I feel like we didn't go to Copenhagen at the right time Definitely because not. we went we when were it there. was uh Was this March. year? No. It was in March, yeah. No, April.
2: It was this year? First of April, yeah. Yeah, it was early this this year. year. Because you were at Flanders or whatever, right? right? It was
0: so cold. And every every time we walked outside, I was like, why didn't we come here in the summer when it was nice and everyone's swimming in the water?
2: To be fair, it wasn't that cold when you guys were there. I remember that. (laughs) To us, it was cold. But yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: Need to do oh, an sure. at proper welcome because we kind of oh, just jumped okay. right into it. This wasn't it? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, is, I wasn't. No, no. This is the welcome, but I need to do the welcome to the culture edit oh, okay. because okay. I have to edit that part in. Oh. So welcome to the culture edit, Adam.
2: Thanks. Thanks for
0: <laughs> having me. <laughs> uh, I, I brushed
2: my teeth. I just, uh, okay. Even though you won't be able to smell it, I brushed my teeth. That's which nice. is I thought that was a bit ironic. <laughs> it's a good start for the day.
0: It is. <laughs> start you off right. Um, I yeah. do want to say like kind of how we met because it was funny. I was yeah. talking to Andrew, one of the guys in our office. Um, he's also a photographer, but he does aerial photography where he hangs out of helicopters like all over the place. Oh, um, it's, yeah, it's super cool. Um, actually that picture behind us yeah. is the, uh, gray nice. glacier and, Is
2: that in Alaska, uh, no, Patagonia. it's
0: Patagonia. Uh, we, we hiked on it. Yeah, we actually mm-hmm. hiked on it. So he gifted it to us. Um, cause mm-hmm. he was like, you've been there. Uh, but I was telling him we were interviewing you. I was like, yeah, he's a you know, really great uh photographer as well, and he's like, "Oh, like what what is that? Like what how do you have this connection?" And so I was telling him it was th- through cycling, which is ultimately Good. the through line kind of for this whole podcast is we meet people, business leaders or you know, photographers or musicians or whoever it might be, anything that's has to do with culture of some sort of subculture, and we try to meet them through cycling or running, running or, or whatever it is.
1: Working out. Yeah, yeah
0: cuz it I don't know, it's just an interesting through line. So, I think to talk about how we met um to give you from my point of view because so, i was a little bit <laughs> so we went to the Pan normal group ride the men's only ride i had gone to the women's yes so i went to the women's was only gender
2: specific gender specific yeah.
0: and i've actually oh, never like you know there's women's wow. rides everywhere but like that's more of like a loose kind of term in the us like anyone can kind of show up um so i went to the women's ride on saturday and the men's ride was on sunday and i was thinking oh like they're just separating it in case people want options. But when I showed up to the men's ride, it was like I had four heads. And they're, were you the only
2: girl there? I was the yeah. only girl, and the girls I didn't even realize. <laughs> the girls
0: had warned me the day before. They were like, "I mean, you can go, but like they might they might try to like drop you or leave you or whatever." They like, like they're gonna go so they're hard. they're gonna go really hard and You're like. Right. But it was funny because the girls I rode with before were awesome um, on Saturday right. and super strong like some of the strongest women that i've ridden with uh so that was really awesome and then going to that ride it was just funny because i think our average speed was actually slower than the women's ride it was so i met i don't
2: think that was a fast ride
0: i messaged them all after i was like you would be fine on the men's ride just go to it like break the ceiling um but anyways the the funny thing is is i see you and chad at the front like i'm talking to some guy that i think was from mexico um, you and Chad are at the front. I just thought you were a Danish guy. Like I didn't think there was another American on the ride. And then all of a sudden I can hear your voice like booming over everyone. Every Well, the Danes don't really talk the that much, right. so it was quiet. Uh, and then I just heard like some curse words. And I'm like, that definitely sounds like an American <laughs> or <laughs> <That's neat.
1: laughs> a few curse words,
0: a, a few, yeah. a couple sprinkled in there um sure
1: but, I, th- I think we were complaining about the fact that we were the ones that had to pull the whole damn ride
2: yeah uh, we were up front for like 85 kilometers. yeah
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly the visitors
0: um but anyways it was just funny because i was so excited like once i was like oh it's another american that's so awesome yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't think
2: i talked to you until we took that halfway break at like the northernmost point
0: yeah yeah exactly and then everyone kind of started rotating then but yeah. uh you know how, how did you why are you in copenhagen how'd you end up there
2: I don't so I went there. So I in 2010, I had to the guy who I was staying with in LA who wasn't in his own house. Um, and uh, another buddy who I'm not friends with anymore. Uh, we did we wanted to take a trip in 2010. This is pre Instagram. Um, and we wanted to go to five cities. We knew we wanted to go to Reykjavik because nobody had really been there yet. And that you know, there was no like going and standing in front of the geyser and taking a selfie because selfies didn't exist yet. Right um and then we wanted to go to Stockholm because I was into fashion and there was like acne studios and all you know Stockholm was like the the Scandinavian kind of fashion headquarters and then my buddy the LA guy had never been to Milan or Paris or sorry um London or Paris so we wanted to go there to show him and then we wanted to go one more place and we didn't know where that was but we wanted it to be obscure so that we could Brag about it to people, right? Like, so we, so we were thinking, like, should we go to like Riga or should we go to Kiev or like Sofia, you know, something like that. so You know, someplace that that nobody from uh from Seattle had ever been before. We thought we were adventurers and then my mom said we were at my mom's house for some reason, and she was like, "Oh, you should go to Copenhagen." And I said, "Where's that?" I knew I'd heard of it before, but um, you know, I mean, Americans aren't that great with geography. I am now, um, very much so. I, I like. <laughs> was very disgusted by my ignorance and after i lived in paris a long time ago and found out i didn't know anything about the world and kind of tasked myself with perfecting the the world map um and uh so she said you should go to copenhagen you'll like it like they're really into design and blah 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 so we went to copenhagen we thought that was obscure enough and we got to copenhagen and it was like still probably like the worst weather i've ever experienced there it was like probably about a foot of snow on the ground and just like sideways winds blowing snow in your face. Like I remember every day we set this goal of like making it to this park that in hindsight is like maybe a mile walk, but we never made it. We get like three quarters of the way there and then just be like, I'm too cold. Let's go back to the hotel. Um, And it was Thanksgiving, I remember, and my buddy Sean, who's grew up in Montana and Texas was obsessed with trying to find Thanksgiving dinner. And I was like mortified that he was trying to find Thanksgiving dinner in Denmark, because, of course, they don't have that because it's an American holiday. Um, Now they probably do somewhere. But he would go up to every single person and ask them uh, where he could get Thanksgiving dinner. People just thought (laughs) I was so mortified. But anyway, uh, and then I just and then I really So the, the story is like I really don't like Milan and the fashion schedule goes New York London Milan Paris and I'd been to Milan and not enjoyed it and I was like I don't want to go back there um and I was I, but I I couldn't afford to fly from London back to New York cuz I was living in New York at the time and then from New York back to do Paris fashion week so I was like I got to go somewhere I got to find some place to go in between in Europe and I was like I'll just rent a room somewhere I didn't have any money but so I'd messaged one of my friends who I met the first time I came to Copenhagen and I was like, hey, do you know anybody renting out their apartment or like a room? And she said, you can stay with me. She became one of my best friends. And I so I started just skipping Milan and going to to Copenhagen for those five days or whatever and just hanging out with her and meeting people. And then I just started coming here all the time and I had some Danish girlfriends or whatever and would and then I needed to move to Europe um, because I was going to overstay the 90 day like Schengen maximum that Americans can have so I moved to Amsterdam thinking that would be because we have a treaty with the Dutch like it's very easy to get a work visa there residency so I moved there thinking that would be close enough and I just really didn't like it and I was complaining about the Netherlands uh with some Danish guys in Florence one night and he was like oh I can get you I, I have a friend who's a lawyer he can get you and he's got plenty of people into Denmark and and uh he connected me with him and They got me into Denmark and that, that brought on quite a few issues. Um, it was actually Deloitte who, um, immigrated me and they ended up not filing some very important paperwork, which ended (laughs) up costing me about a quarter million dollars in extra taxes I had to pay, even though I, damn. Yeah, it kind of ruined my life for about four or five years. I lost my, it was right when COVID happened, I got sent a bill for about a quarter million dollars right after I just bought my apartment. Wow. Um, and then lost all of my income. So wow. Uh, I still think it's worth it living there. I, think, I feel, I feel think like a lot it. of
0: people could say this about Deloitte.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm like blown away. Like, and then I asked him for my money back for all, this is off track, but I asked him for my money back for all their, you know, that I paid them to do all these things, which they didn't do. And they were like, no. And I was
0: like, what? We're a machine. They were like,
2: we'll give, you, we'll give you 10% of that. And I was like, what? What? What is the logic behind that? You didn't do what I paid you for. Yeah. Like, if you were my gardener and I paid you by the hour and you didn't do any work, I'd ask you, you know, I'm not going to pay you. You just sent me invoices and I naively paid you for work that you didn't do.
1: The, this episode brought to you by Deloitte. <laughs> yeah, right. we'll,
0: we'll put the uh, commercial in here. <laughs>
1: uh... Yeah, let's
2: get there. Let's get their graphic and just splash it over, right?
0: Exactly. So
1: that's a much longer version of why how you ended up in Copenhagen than when I asked you on the ride. Do you remember what you told me on the ride? Hot babes. Yes, exactly. You're like, I mean, the girls—they're
2: hot and they're fit. I mean, isn't that what that's you true. know?
0: Most guys move is for hot babes. Yeah. I mean, I
2: think that that's the majority of why anybody would. Move. It's either work, so it's either money or hot babes. It's got to be. Very uh, true. Every- I mean it's a good enough reason. It's like every time I, you know, I, when I fly home from there from wherever I've been, I land at the airport, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Everybody's attractive. Yeah. <laughs> we noticed. I'm ta- tall too. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, tall. tall. They're
2: all pretty tall. I mean, I'm I'm short by by Danish standards and I'm like 6-1 or whatever. Yeah, we we felt like little people.
0: Yeah, I there. felt really short compared to all the women that I was riding with. Like they like I was kind of just like and I'm five six, so I'm not that short. But
2: yeah, that's not short. That's yeah. a, by American standards, that's not short. Yeah, I'm kind of like medium, I guess.
0: Tall. Yeah, or uh, tall. But I felt very yeah. short. But everyone was super nice and beautiful.
1: Well, no one yeah. talked. No one. Adam's the only person I talked to. No, us.
0: the girls. I'm talking about the women. Oh, the girls. Yeah, I they, still yeah, talked yeah. to the, all the women. Oh, that that's true. Yeah, the girls <laughs> were nice.
1: Like the girl that works at Paw Normal, the mountain biker. Yeah, she's girl, super she was cool. super nice. That's
2: why. That's why Danish. That's why I like living there. Is because Danish girls don't really like Danish guys because they don't really talk. And I, as you know, I'm very verbose. Um, so you have the gimmick,
0: I, the the American yeah, gimmick. Yeah, I'm
2: the I'm the I'm the exotic foreign guy.
0: <laughs> exactly. That, that's
2: my that's my uh, my angle.
0: We we joke about that. One of our uh, best friends here in Atlanta, he moved from Be- Belgium a few years ago, uh, and right. he always says like, when American guys or American women come to anywhere in Belgium, you're just yeah. like everyone is attracted to you because it's just that like something that they haven't experienced before, so It's that loud kind of you know, yeah. in your face personality, which is different. Yeah. Uh, it can
2: it can go both ways, like for sure. I mean, I also like it can be used as a, you know, I, I get the oh, you're so American kind of thing, which I, I'm like, man, you should meet some real Americans. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I am like, you know, yeah, sure. By I, I am. But I'm definitely not that American, you know.
0: Yeah, just go Wait. sit on the plane train in Atlanta airport then. <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> that thing. You'll meet the real America.
2: For sure. I mean, I I remember I landed – my first time ever going to Atlanta airport, I landed there coming back from when I lived in Paris and being like – realizing like I hadn't seen any obese people yeah. in like – and, and Atlanta is a real good place to get introduced to like – morbidly obese yeah, people For sure. and um and yeah and that's why that train exists i think is to get you know get those people across the airport as fast it's, as possible it's uh-huh.
1: funny you should say that because we just came back from new york and we landed on saturday yeah. and we had the exact same thought because like,
2: new york you don't see that as much but when we got to atlanta we we're like god there's like it was a lot of unhealthy crazy. people it's crazy. definitely a yeah i know i mean i'm not shaming it in any way but it definitely is an american like issue that does not exist. I mean, maybe there maybe it exists in Denmark in the in the countryside, but you never see that. I'm I am by far the highest body fat percentage of anybody I know in Copenhagen. By far. Like all my friends have six (laughs) packs. Not I mean it's just because they were put on a bike but you know five years before an American kid would be put on a bike. No. I mean I feel like I'm gonna be one of those parents that gets like chastised because if I have a kid I'm gonna like they're gonna be they're going to be like on a bike, like nonstop and not just like a bike. They're going to be doing all kinds of stuff. You know, it's going to be like when you see these, like, you know, the ukrainian father who gives their kids steroids and the, the three-year-old is like just jacked like that's gonna be i'm gonna be that father P- punching the tree
0: yeah yeah yeah, <laughs>
2: exactly uh... i don't know i feel like it makes for a, for a for an interesting kid exactly can't wait for that
0: um but one thing that we wanted to talk about was your yeah. epic ride from copenhagen to where oslo. Was it? oslo
2: Oslo. Yeah. How, that
1: was insane.
0: What what brought that about? And a lot of our listeners are cyclists. So I think this sure. is interesting to people. Like, how did you survive? I mean,
2: I've done, that's not, that's definitely not, that's my longest solo ride. Like it's not that big of a deal when you don't have anything to do. Right. So like, <laughs> if it, 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 like it, I got all day, I got to ride like 300 K a day, which is not, that's 10 hours the, you know, in the summertime, the day's got 15 hours, 16 hours of light. Like, it's not that tough. It's, you know, I know 180 it's it 180 miles, crazy. by the way, 180, 180, 180
1: yeah. miles for American listener a day, every right. single day.
2: Yeah. And, and I've done that. So when I was a kid, so we have this big ride here in Tacoma in Seattle called the Seattle to Portland. And every year, uh, 10,000 people do this ride, which is 208 miles. And I did that when I was prob before I could drive. So I was like 14 or 15 years old. I did that on a hardtail mountain bike that I put a rigid fork on, or maybe I had lockout and I put um, slicks on it. And I rode that in two days, probably two or three times when I was like, yeah, before I was 16 driving. And then I did it in one day, like probably four or five other times. So I kind of, once you've done that, because I, so back when I lived in Seattle, I was, I've been a cyclist since I was a little, you know, since I was 15. Um, And I I remember I would do like one century, like uh, Imperial century a year, and i thought that that and then i do the seattle to portland which is 208 so it's double that and plus those last eight miles really kill and um just mentally and so i was like well that the seattle to portland happens like the second week of july and then after you've done that everything's easy for the rest of the year 100 century is so easy after you've done that yeah so yeah you just get on the bike and i needed to be in oslo anyway for this um for this fashion week that they have up there. And the previous summer I'd ridden from Stockholm back home. um, And I had a Norwegian friend who was coming to Copenhagen for Copenhagen Fashion Week. And I said, hypothetically, like, would you carry my laptop and my change of clothes with you? And I'll get it from you in Oslo. And she said, Yeah, that's fine. Just pay for the pay for the extra check bag. And um, I was like, All right, I'll carry everything else. And I loaded it up on the bike and I rode up there. And then um, and I know I can, you know, there's a ferry from downtown also that takes you right into, into by where the PNS store is in Copenhagen. It's like, that's easy. Like I can just take the boat back and worst case scenario, I could ride back if I wanted to, I could ship my, get <laughs> myself back. Why not? I didn't have anything else to do.
1: Didn't it rain every day though? Wasn't it like shitty weather the whole time though?
2: The first day was great in, but it had been like record rainfall. So the first day was great, but then I got about 10 miles away from my, from the city i wanted to go to so I had this idea I had this route that I made where it was about 300k a day so to 180 miles or whatever but then I decided then I when I started riding it I realized that I was on like a government designated route and I was like well I gotta follow this like because I maybe it's taking me somewhere amazing yeah and that added like probably 40 miles so day one I got very short of where I wanted to make it I wanted to make it to like the halfway point of the ride on the first day so that I could have these short chill rides the next day so, but then I added these like 40 miles sunset and, and I, I remember the the worst part of that ride is I'm about 10 miles away from, from my, not even my goal, but where I decided I was going to stay. And I go, I'd been riding through this like super muddy forest and I, um, but the roads were dry and I went, I had to cross under this overpass and I was like, That's, why does that look like that? And there was this overpass and I was like, what is that? Like, that looks weird. Is the pavement really that black? And then I realized it was about like four feet of water that was and it was water flowing off of like cow field so it was just <laughs> filled with cow shit and I'm like oh I'm gonna get like hepatitis or something like that so I like I was like if I ride back I gotta add like another 20 miles to the ride to go around this thing and I'm not gonna ride through it because your bike will just float so I it was just it would have been up to my knees on the bike so I had these like sandals and I just put the sandals on and check my legs for cuts to make sure I'm not going to get some sepsis or whatever and walk through it and then yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the second day was terrible. Third day was okay. And then the last day was okay, but I had cramped in the middle of the night when I got to Norway. I got this cramp and in the middle of the night. I thought somebody was cutting my leg off. It was the <laughs> most it was like 30 minutes of me screaming at the top of my lungs. I couldn't figure out how to like, you know, when you get a cramp and you gotta just like point your toe a certain direction yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I couldn't figure out what how to make this muscle deflex. Yeah. And um and so then I could barely ride the next day, but I had to get there. Um, it wasn't bad, man. Like it's, it's just about <laughs> You really time. sold
0: us on that one. Yeah, that yeah I can't, I can't <laughs> wait. The cramp
2: was the worst part. No, it's just like, it. riding a hundred miles is not that big of a deal for me anymore. When, yeah. you know, with cycling, it's not like running where if you don't do it for a while, you got to start from scratch. Like cycling, you, you have that base. Like I could not ride this year and I, and, and ride next year and I'd probably be okay. The first few rides wouldn't be wonderful, but. You know, you can always coast. Yeah, exactly.
0: I just kept thinking, I was like, "What bibs is he wearing? Is he wearing Panormal or?" (laughs) I
2: was. Then those those those, don't last a long time. (laughs) Those that was a that was probably one of the hardest parts. I had those those like adventure bibs Mm -hmm. on, you know, the escapism ones, and those things stretch out a lot, and that gave me a lot of issues. Yeah, Yeah. especially when they got wet, they became kind of like um baggy shorts it was not it, it was the wrong clothing choice I should have worn something a little bit tighter but um yeah it was uh I went through like two whole pucks of Vaseline on that trip and it brutal. wasn't enough yeah I, yeah, I just it was,
1: I yeah. love that you chose hepatitis versus backtracking because that's what I would have done too there's no way I was gonna <laughs> oh, <for> backtrack. <laughs> sure.
2: well so I live by the heat map dude so right. if I would have had that little dead end yeah, I'd have to go back and ride it. And I was like, I'm not doing that. There's yeah. no reality where I'm doing that. I'd rather die like of, you know, of hepatitis than have to go back and ride this again. At least if you went to my heat map link, you'd see that I completed that road. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. see, I'm not the only no, one. She, you're not. she gets mad at me because we'll do these routes where all of a sudden the road will end. And we'll be yeah. like on, on a road bike. So we're crawling through the forest, you know? To, oh, for to, sure. And I think also what I think about too is like for us, when we think about 150 miles here, that would be like 20,000 feet of climbing, whereas you're, right. you're flat. So it's like, do you, do, uh, I'm curious, do you find your, when you do those long rides like that, do you come up with creative ideas, work? Like, do you think about your business, like what you're doing or anything like that?
2: I get angry. I go the wrong way. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get angry I start talking to people who pissed me off when I was 15 in my head I I yell at myself sometimes if I'm I but no, most of the time I ride with other people um I but yeah no I I I also don't really go you know going back to creativity I've never really considered myself to be a creative person I, I feel like I'm much more I like to kind of just see we watch other people be creative like if I go I don't dance so like if I go to like out Like I like to watch people dance. That's very (laughs) interesting for me, but I don't dance. Um, And it's I'm the same with photography. It's like I like to watch other people's lives, but I don't really like. Not a conceptual person. Would and it's, you know, a lot of people will say, well, that's ridiculous. Of course you're creative. It's like, okay, fine. You think whatever you want, but like in my head, I'm not coming up with ideas. I'm not thinking, what if we try this and blah blah blah. It's like I, but I can see something happening and be like, oh in a flash of a, you know, of an instant, I can be like, okay, this is how I would, this is how I want to show this moment. And when I'm on those rides, I think the only creative thing that I do is I'll ride past things and, or, you know, places or light or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is how I would take that photo. Hmm. But oftentimes I don't do it because I mean, I, if I, if I took every photo I wanted to on the ride from Copenhagen's also, I'd still be going because, you know, it's pretty real, pretty ride. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really, my brain doesn't go in the right direction when I'm on the bike. But I kind of like that because I get a lot of it sorted out. I still can't feel my pinkies from that Oslo ride, which is freaking me out. But aside from that, like, your body recovers and you become quite a bit stronger, you know? Like, And I've never really been injured from cycling except for crashes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I could just kind of do that forever. Why yeah. not?
0: Yeah, so, so switching gears from cycling a little bit um, – you know, you obviously st- have started posting and sharing a lot of stories and photos within your your context, I guess not campaign, but you, you started doing this new thing where you're giving more context behind a lot of the photography and it seems like it's a lot of personal acquaintances that you have. Tell us, you know, why you started that uh, and where, where that... E-
1: even though you said you're not creative, you created this, this new well, thing that you're doing.
2: Yeah, that's not... I, I I agree to disagree with that so basically the whole idea is like that's so back when I started taking photos, so let's go back to like when I went to Copenhagen the first time um, that was the majority of the reason why I wanted to travel to those places was because I was taking photos of people randomly on the street. So I'd walk up to you and I'd say, I'd like what you're wearing. I'm, I'd say, can I take a picture of you? And then I get your name, your age uh, and the brands you were wearing or whatever. And I'd tag all that. And back in, you know 2007 that was pretty groundbreaking you know there was there was a couple other guys if you saw this post i did on the sartorialist um guy uh, he's one of the first guys to do this and you know there at, at the at that point in time it was very kind of anthropological in a way and mm-hmm. i thought it was cool and i also thought it was kind of a kind of a flex to be able to like go to these places in the world and take photos of people because in because again the selfie hadn't been invented yet but if i take a photo of a guy on the main street in Reykjavik and i post that on my website that gives me cachet right and i find yeah. that that has much more value than any selfies ever going to have yeah so so i started doing that and then for years and years and years that was great and then i moved to new york and i was doing that still and then i started going to fashion week and I got jaded by the everyday, you know, Joe Schmo walking down the street. Because Fashion Week, I got somebody who dressed two times, ten times better than him every fifteen seconds, you know. And like, I and so I kind of got burnt out on taking photos of real people on the street because I was bombarded with so many interesting people at Fashion Week. Yeah. And um, and then the kind of fashion industry grabbed hold of that and started infiltrating the authenticity of those people at fashion week and those, and after, you know, let's span forward eight years, nine years, 10 years, the people who I was photographing at fashion week with the intention of it being anthropological and documentary, it ended up just being product placement and all sponsored, you know, hashtag industry plants. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And it, and, and, you know, it's like subliminal advertising is illegal, right? Like, but yet we, Dress celebrities and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't really serving the purpose because it was, you know, would these people actually wear this? Like that was, and I tried to remain naive to it as long as possible. But at a certain point, like you go outside of a a fashion show and you're like, oh, every single person is in head to toe this season of this. It's like, this is not a coincidence. Um, And it became more and more difficult to like tell myself that this was all still a reality. And I was like, you know, and one day I was sitting with my buddy Nick in paris and i always get pretty depressed during fashion week because of this kind of stuff it's like you know no purpose and documenting all these people and they're all getting rich off of you validating them through photos and you know the hundreds of us who are doing this now and you know back when i started there wasn't that many people doing it there was maybe 20 of us at maximum and that was seen as like an obscene amount of photographers um and now you know you go outside have a show and there's hundreds of photographers and and I was like I don't need to be here anymore like I used to give like a like a unique point of view yeah. but through the years people have mimicked that style which is fine um you know back in the day you'd stop people you take a full body photo of them looking at the camera smiling whatever and I was like that's fucking dumb like let's take a picture of you know some movement or some personality or whatever something candid and that kind of became the the standard photo over time and I was like look I've done it like there's nothing else that I'm gonna see that I haven't already seen and if I do it's probably paid for so I was like let's go back to it and just start taking photos of normal people and like if they happen to be wearing cool clothes that's cool but I also did so I also during COVID I did this podcast called so what else do you want to talk about and I would interview people from different industries but primarily people I knew through fashion and I would talk to them about about anything but um their jobs you know because when i do an interview i get asked the same questions all the time and it's like yeah and it's like okay this is dumb like we're we're not just our jobs and and so so the project is kind of a intersection of both of those where it's like normal people or people from the industry but showing them grocery shopping or showing them you know uh yeah maybe there's a couple photos of them at work because that still is part of who they are but um you know showing them doing other stuff, you know, that makes it a more relatable.
0: It's funny you say it, You it's funny you say that because we spent time obviously, you know, if you just put your name into YouTube, like so many YouTube videos that you've been in. Is there? Oh yeah. Oh, you haven't done this? Oh, no, okay. Um <laughs> there's a lot.
2: I don't know how In to. in
0: the the funny thing is it spans back back to I like to do this thing where if I find like a YouTube channel or a podcast, I try to go to the first like episode that I can find, because it right. and then compare it to the last episode, because yeah. that's always an interesting thing. Right. Um, one of the the first things that I could find of you is like ten years ago, and it was with Steve Madden. It was like a behind the scenes with our people of Steve Madden, and then fast forward to some of the like Women's Wear Daily, like <laughs> that one's
2: cool. The Women's Wear Daily one I know, the Steve yeah, Madden yeah. one I don't remember that at all.
0: But <laughs> the funny thing is, is like if you know, I d- obviously didn't watch all of them, but watch- if you sporadically jump. A couple years at a time to see your evolution as a business person, as a photographer, and just like personally as a person is actually yeah, it's really well. It's cool. Stuff, well, you know, you're maybe more like edgy. I don't know. You're you're more yourself, to, or at least that's how I felt. You you just more, yeah. more yourself. But it was funny because every single or most of the videos would ask you the same questions, and they never asked you anything personal other than the and- the paranormal video that you just recently did and maybe like uh the solomon like video it was more personal yeah
2: that's still i still feel like the pns one i really like that video but Mm -hmm. i do feel like those you know i go outside to clear my mind kind of (laughs) motivational sports things it's like okay like we we, there's got to be something new it's not that it's false it's just like there's got to be another angle yeah you know it's like and that's like you guys meeting all these different people through through cycling. It's like I meet everybody through fashion and through cycling and through running and whatever. It's the same. It's like we all do all these different things. And it's like I think that I started figuring it out when I started going to fashion week. And during the men's fashion weeks, we would uh, a couple of the buyers from some of the stores were athletes as well, um, cyclists or runners or whatever. And we'd do these runs. And it's like oh, all these dudes and also women were are into like waking up at six in the morning and going and tasting blood in their mouth from climbing these hills. It's like, that's weird. I thought that we were all just champagne drinking prima donnas, like, <laughs> exactly. um, you know, and it's like, that's kind of cool. And that's where that common thread comes in, right? Like where we can have this conversation, you know, on, on different levels, because I, I'm just tired of, of talking about fashion. Yeah, I don't like, really Tell care. us
0: your story. Like, I can't stand the more of the, the tell us your story. And so, but to talk about context and all of that, it, yeah. it just makes so much more sense. And even, you know, for us. We have a creative agency and consultancy talking to a lot of frontline workers in what we do, which is the best part because that's where you truly talk to the best people in the world. Um, experience. Yeah, so much experience. And so, but it's it's what differentiates us from the average ENY, the the Boston consulting, all of that is we try to bring context to what we're doing in every aspect of it. And so If a executive brings us in and says, oh, we want to understand what we can do better, how we can treat our people better, but they say we're going to figure it out in the boardroom, we won't take the work. If we can't go to the front life, if I can't spend two weeks in San Pedro, Sulas, Honduras, speaking to frontline workers in a manufacturing facility, there's no point because we're not getting. So I just, I thought that the context, um, it's like an old school. It's kind of like you said, it's not something new. It's actually kind of old school. It's what people should be doing. It's like almost reporting journalism. Um, well, which just means and so that, much more.
2: That's why I go back to saying I'm not creative because all I did is I just defaulted to going back to square one, right? Like and that wasn't my idea in the first place. I was copying people like Scott Schumann and you know, the sartorialists and Bill Cunningham and all these Japanese photographers. So but the only thing is is I was like so I've listened to that shit town podcast and have you ever heard this? No, oh no, 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 no. You guys Oh my God. Shit it town? is the <laughs> incredible thing that's ever happened ever. It is, it's, it's a New York times, like whatever it's called, um, podcast. And this guy basically from Alabama, shit town, Alabama, as he says, John B. Mclemore calls up to report that there's been a murder in his town and he wants the New York times to come report on it. And there's seven episodes and the show has nothing to do with this murder. And it's all about John B. Mclemore. And you realize from this podcast that a, everybody has a story. Like, regardless, the most mundane, boring life, everybody thinks they have this boring life, everybody has a story. And B, what happens in this podcast is you hear this side of the story the whole way. And then like, in the last episode, you hear the other people who he's kind of like saying are bad the whole time you hear their side of the story. And you're like, weird, it's all about perspective as well. And then I was like, when I started doing this context thing, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this podcast that I that I heard. And I'm like, Okay, like, is this going to be some ego stroking like, you know, me and my life and blah, 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 which is fair enough. Like the only thing I can talk about, but I'm like, well, I think it's an interesting enough story because like I could do it on one of you guys and you can tell your whole story, you know, and like all these people who've done this interview about me where they tell the same story, you know, over they ask the same questions over and over and over. But like the story where if we were to do a story where the interviewer and I told our story, like that's interesting because that can only be told you know, that, that story starts when two people connect, right? Like, so when we meet on this bike in Copenhagen, that's where our story starts, and that becomes interesting. My story on its own is not terribly interesting to me. I don't know how you guys feel about your own, but when you intersect with other people and and you start this new story, then you'll, your perspective of our relationship will be different than my perspective of our relationship. So when I write these things, you know, if it's ego stroking or whatever, and I present it, and, you know, I tag these people in, in these photos and these stories, I wonder if they, if they've experienced it in the same way, or if maybe they see that I'm completely delusional. Maybe I'm talking about this person. That's my friend. And they're like, I don't, I would barely consider him an acquaintance, but hey, you know, whatever. It's like, that's my perception. And I think that that's interesting enough. And also I'm never going to write a memoir because yeah. I don't have the attention span for it. So I may as well start my little journal now about all the people that I've, I've interacted with enough people through my life. I could probably do three of these a week for you know the next 50 years and still have a surplus of people to, to photograph. So, um, I just feel like it has a bit more depth to it. The only issue is it's, I have no idea how I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, Um, that's always a challenge.
1: I mean, yeah. what you're talking about is is really why we started this podcast too. I mean, for us, it's what you're talking about is relationships, right? And, and yeah. developing. We don't
0: advertise. We don't do, you know, we're not trying to like monetize off the podcast. Right. It's more building, continuing relationships. Yeah. And like, that's right.
1: a common theme for us is like all of our work, all of our business, everything is built around relationships with people that we've met that are interesting that we connect with. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what you're doing with context because it's, it's not just the photography, but the writing that you're doing, um, you know, there's an element of the writing there that I think is, is really important on the storytelling. Cause if you just had those, those really cool pictures, like I think about the, the new one you did with the Danish professional cyclist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like how many professional cyclists do we all, you know, see As you live in Denmark, there's tons of them, but, but adding the story piece of it, I think talks, that's what speaks to the relationship.
2: Yeah. I mean definitely and I, you know i could i i thought in the beginning when i decided i was going to do it i thought to myself okay i'll just take these photos it'll be different i'll put a collage of photos together and that will tell the story and i was like ah. then it's just it runs the risk of becoming so the the reason it's called context is because everything else is content right we're always called content creators and it's so like demeaning in my opinion um you know and it's like i don't want to fucking create content man like <laughs> you know at least at least give me the opportunity to to call it something else, and so I'm sitting with that German, you know, kid Nick, my my buddy Nick, um, and he's like, "Yeah, there's just no context in any of these photos. It's a woman crossing the street wearing a pretty skirt," and it's like, "Oh, I was like, I should just call it context. It's not my again. It's not my idea. I'm not a creative person." And I was like, "I'm doing it." Then he was like, "That's cool." And 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 I just decided to do it, you know. And it's and I feel like I'm at Fashion Week still. I'm still arguably taking photos of the same people, but I'm going into their houses and you know, because I, I don't know if you guys follow, I mean, if you're familiar with many photographers or whatever, I'm actually not, I never have really like tasked myself with researching a lot of photographers. But one of one of the photographers who I am a really big fan of, and who I've always kind of been envious of um her ability to do this is this American photographer, Diane Arbus. And she I mean, you have to look it up. It's She's incredible. But she would just, yeah. like, invite herself or, like, go into people's lives. Generally, people from, like, subcultures or, like, whatever. And, like, she was from, I think she was a New Yorker. I, I believe so. Again, it shows how much I know. But she kind of was, I think, had, like, a wealthy husband and, like, you know, lived this kind of, like, aristocratic kind of life. And I think that kind of bored her. And she was like, I got this camera. Let me just go see if I can... Talk to some different people, and would we'll go, you know, to some circus workers' house and take photos of of them or whatever, and or to a Santa Claus convention in you know the nineteen fifties or sixties or whatever. Uh, see, I'm I'm digging my own grave, not knowing, <laughs> thing, uh, but whatever. Um, But I was like, that's so cool. I wish I could do that, and and I still don't really think I could walk up to like, you know, uh somebody who I don't know at all and be like, Hey, can I come into your house and because I feel like it's, it's exploiting in Mm -hmm. a way. Yeah, especially like she would photograph a lot of people who are quite different, you know, people with birth defects or like giants or like a family of little people or whatever. And it's like, it's like, I don't know if I could do that, not feel like I was like exploiting them. But I do have a big enough network of people around me to where I won't feel like I'm exploiting them because I have a story to tell. Right? Yeah. So I can direct the narrative in the way that I want versus being like, "Look how weird this person looks." Exactly, you
0: know?
2: and posting a photo and being like, "Look at this weirdo." Well, um,
0: that's, that's how we feel with like, like the the business side or like connecting with business people for the podcast. We struggle with just essentially cold reaching out to some CEO and being like, Hey, can you be on our podcast? Because that's not what we're doing. And it feels like, even though, I mean, to say you're exploiting a CEO is kind of ridiculous, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but it it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like, and that's why, you know, to your point earlier, we went through the Avenue of, if we meet them on a run, if we meet them on the bike, if we meet them at some sort of, you know, physical event like that, the gym or whatever, it just feels so much more authentic um, to have those commonalities. Uh,
1: do you, ha- do you, I'm curious about your process. Do, the way you're talking, is it, do you put you know, like a publishing deadline in your head? Like I've got to get, I took these pictures and I got to get Louie out by this date. Is that what's no. driving your procrastination?
2: There, there was no, I mean, I want to publish every Monday and Friday at 9am, but okay. I'm waiting on, waiting on getting the, the, creatives from from pentagram sometimes because they do this you know for me uh this is a much bigger project than what they originally signed on for so they get them to me as soon as they can so sometimes i have to skip a publishing date because they're just busy with you know real clients uh but um but the only one that i really had a deadline for was for nikki who's the editor in chief of um marie claire because it was the night before her first like front to back um magazine with Marie Claire since she became editor-in-chief so she had asked me if we could publish it right around that time and so that was the only one otherwise it's kind of like the whole also one of the other points of it is during fashion week everything needs to be out now like you need to edit these photos and get them out now or they you should have just never taken them because they're dead so the whole thing with this is it's like I just they need to just happen when they happen so like you know, maybe I'll meet it because they can't just happen in one meeting. I have to meet the people at least twice, maybe yeah. three times. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's like if I meet somebody, like I want to shoot some people while I'm back here in Tacoma. It's like I'll shoot them now, and then it's like, oh, maybe I'll get them next summer for the second one when I come back, or maybe a year from now. But once it's done, I want to get it out as soon as possible. Hmm. You know,
1: that's cool. Yeah, Pentagram are good friends to
2: have to be helping. Yeah, you. Uh, it looks Seriously.
1: it looks really really good.
2: Yeah, they do a really, really great job, but I, I do feel a bit guilty because it is like a a much bigger, much bigger project than than they took on a couple of years ago.
1: Do Do you think maybe uh, there's a future? Like, do you see a future in like feature journalism? Like, is that because that's what I kind of feel like this this is doing, right?
2: Like, h- how so? Well, you're just Did-
1: talking about like you know how do you monetize? these ideas like how do you monetize you know it's it's about getting attention and i'm thinking like okay who's who's getting attention whose attention are you getting and i mean to me it's like the the feature journalism kind of old school magazine features those kind of things like
2: well i'm just afraid that like if my photos don't go with my words in that in that context if my photos don't go with my words it's not um the same product and my words definitely are not like um high level you know like i use a lot of improperly formed sentences that, that won't work in the same way if they are properly formed so you know my yeah. my diction is is intentional and like the way that i write is much more meant to mimic the way that i speak um than you know if you were to read like a movie you know sometimes people say things in movies and you're like nobody would ever say that right. like wouldn't say it like that i get it but like you know um could i write these stories for a magazine and they be you know still used in the way that i write them or would an editor turn them into proper sentences and then it loses its its voice and in my egotistical (laughs) point of view i think it's for me it's the combination of the two that makes it a unique product so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. I'm I'm also afraid that like the moment that it becomes monetized that it will lose its integrity and then I'm right back to square one. And then what do I do? Yeah. I'm broke. Like <laughs> um you know.
0: Well well to change subjects a little but not. Yeah. Um I know one thing that makes you happy is a good cat of the day.
2: That is a hundred percent true.
0: <laughs> Every like time cats. you post the cat of the day, it it that makes my day.
2: <laughs> good. Are you a cat person then? No.
0: I, I love like, all animals. Yeah well we don't have a cat but I love are, cats you would take
1: you, you have pets? pets
0: yeah we have two dogs no, but I grew like up nice. with like I grew up kind of in a on a farm in Orlando and so we had horses goats dogs cats nice. birds all kinds of so I just love all animals in general yeah um so the I cat mean, of I, the dog poses I, awesome.
2: I think the time is coming to get a cat I'm doing a little remodel on my apartment and then once that's done I think uh maybe it's time but we'll see I'm I also kind of feel bad having an indoor cat. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like I, I also really don't want my apartment to smell like a litter box.
1: Yeah. And you travel so much.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean that's fine. Have, I have a lot of friends who have cats, they can take care of they can take care of a cat, but
0: Oh, you yeah. know what you could okay. do. You could just find an elderly cat of someone who like has passed away and they can't take it or they can't take care of the cat anymore. And you, you help the elderly cat live out its final years. So then it doesn't and need then it I have sense. to be there when it dies. Well yeah. But you're. Good. I don't want
2: that. I want to. <laughs> I want to. I want to go start to finish. It's like if I get if if I get a plate of French fries and you take one, I didn't. Then I didn't eat all my French fries. <laughs> I want all of the French fries. I will eat the last French fry and the first French fry. Don't take my French fries. That's how I want my cat. I want a kitten from like little wet brand new baby kitten all the way till it draws its last meow.
1: Well don't eat french fries with want. Nikki cuz you will not you will not get all
0: your Uh-oh. french fries. Yeah, I guess I'll, no, I'll just avoid. Just order your own.
2: <laughs> order your own. I've never understood that. Just order your own. Jerry. I know,
0: I know. It's bad. Ugh. It's bad.
2: It's Are bad. you guys coming back to Copenhagen?
0: Needs to be in the summer. Yeah, if
1: it yeah, if it was coming. a summer, I mean, we're we're definitely going to do a Europe trip um in the summer. It's funny you mentioned Milan cuz we were actually talking about flying into Milan. Uh we have a friend that lives there, but then going to uh to como riding yeah, bikes around yeah. como and then going into switzerland totally.
2: riding bikes because nikki totally. nikki's never been in any, any of that area yeah, so that's it's amazing yeah i was just there riding like a month ago in in como that's it that's that's the only good thing about milan is you're so close to to como it's yeah. 40k yeah like you can ride your bike from from downtown milan it's it's nothing it's and you could ride to modena and ride around the ferrari track as well that's the half oh no monza Monza. Uh, is it Monza, Modena, whatever you can ride around the the track there. That's like that's the standard loop in Milan. As you ride out to the track and do track r- laps around the race car track, that's pretty mm, badass. That'd be really cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, well. Let me know if you. I mean, I'll come meet y'all out there. It's just a bit expensive, but um, yeah. but it's that's that's a, an amazing place to ride. I think riding in Lake Como is like one of the best. Yeah,
1: okay. that sounds awesome. So Sweden all is also on the short list because Nikki's never been there either. So yeah. we if we did. Sweden, Norway.
0: Well, and we met people when we were in Copenhagen at a bar way too late. We met two people from Oslo. Yeah. uh, And we've stayed in touch with them, and they were super cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, i think norway would be more inter- interesting for cycling than sweden personally the west coast of sweden was really beautiful but it's just real flat um but norway you get the real elevation i have this ride i want to do from bergen to oslo to stockholm if y'all want to do that hmm. um that would get that would cross all the you know ch- check all the boxes you, you go from you go mountain ranges and then Oslo and then it should be pretty rolling hills all the way to stockholm you see that would be pretty epic that hmm. would uh, be fun. let us know i think know. it's not that think it's like a thousand k so it's like 600 miles do it in five days so it's not that many you know it's not that long a days and that's something i would really like to do so yeah yeah let us know know what
0: timing you're thinking of because we're definitely planning a couple big trips next year so
2: yeah cool i mean if i if i get invited back to oslo um this summer maybe i'll do it like that Uh, let's see let's cross that bridge when we come to it When, when are you headed back when are you leaving tacoma I go back on the 20th. I'm going to Vancouver on the 20th to shoot some people for context. And then, yeah, and then back home. And then me and some buddies are going to get a summer house up north uh, for New Year's. And then I go, then the Men's Fashion Week start on the 8th of uh, January. So I go Florence, Milan, Paris. And then I'm actually going to ride a cargo bike home from Paris. Because I don't know if you saw my bike got stolen in Paris. Um, and I got it back. And now Mm -hmm. I feel like it's too nice to keep it in Paris. I'm going to ride it back home um so that's gonna be like 1400 kilometers i'll just do it as slowly as i want but yeah so this
1: wasn't like the prova that got stolen
2: no it was a little omnium mini this is when your
0: friend went with you to get the bike back right
2: exactly okay (laughs) i remember that i got it back but now i feel like it's just a little too precious i'll probably buy the same bike there and just get the steel version with all stock parts on it um but uh yeah i feel like i'll bring this one back to copenhagen and maybe sell it and then um i just think it'll be a a nice adventure that that
1: story is the reason why we have air tags on our bikes now yeah Oh man
2: i mean now i so that's uh that that is my favorite thing is find my find my stuff like when i when i get to the airport and I'm like, oh, my bags didn't make the flight. Let's be the first one in line to the lost bags because I know they're not there. I know they're still sitting in Atlanta, you know, because I can see it on, <laughs> on the app. I love that.
0: Most things probably like... get lost in Atlanta.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah and and Amsterdam if... was the worst one during COVID for sure.
0: And if Anyhow. you're flying through Atlanta, let us, if you want to actually go outside of the airport, let us know. I would we love
2: could... to one day. It's high on my list. Like, really, there's not, I think I'd like to go to Atlanta, Boulder, and i'd like to go to yellowstone i've never been to yellowstone it's that's amazing. about it yeah it's pretty Not awesome place and boulder is has been to arkansas so i can come down that part of the world uh at some point in time
1: but but even if you're gonna connect in atlanta and you want to make it a, a day trip over like you yeah. could stay with us uh oh, cool. we will f- find a bike for you so you know oh, don't i could maybe
2: do that next summer when i fly back home um, i'll have a bike with me anyway i might perfect. do that
0: perfect yeah it's cool. a lot of fun we have really fun routes
2: Yeah, Yeah. that
1: sounds great. All right, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right, right. bye. Bye.